Welcome to the Insider World Building Podcast, the place where you can experience life in another dimension, told from the perspective of a visitor to that dimension. I'm Fox Keys, that visitor is me, that dimension is called Dunaree, and I have lived here since I was tricked into passing through an interdimensional gateway just after my 14th birthday. In this episode, I will moan about food and talk about how I was introduced to map-making in Dunaree. Since Ganthuk's medical friend arrived last week, my voice is improving. She examined my throat, declared it was simply spirit voice, and gave me medicine to heal it. It is a relief to know that this illness wasn't a deliberate attempt to silence me talking about Dunaree. However, It reminds me of how careful I need to be here to avoid those that despise outsiders. I slept so well on my fourth night, it almost felt like I was at home in my own bed. Having Chiny top around helped. I realised, though, that he had a mean streak to him. By that I mean he was harmlessly mean, not nasty mean. He liked to tease. He liked to withhold information by saying he wasn't authorised to answer all my questions. When I asked him if the bed would really react if I overslept, he said, the best way to find out is to oversleep. Now, I recognised a challenge when I heard one. So, when I woke at 6.55, I waited in bed to see what would happen. I'll admit, I was ready to leap out of bed in case something did happen. Shiny Top started a countdown, which really didn't help. He must have been bored stiff in that stick. At 7.01, just when I was feeling good about things, something tickled my toes. Within seconds, it felt like insects were crawling over my toes. The irritation grew. I kicked the blanket off the bed. The tickling shifted to a maddening itch. Stunned, I rolled off the bed and face-planted onto the floor. I just knew the day wasn't going to get any better after that. Which, of course, it didn't. A while later, a ghost cat calling itself number 12 passed through the wall and said, Today you will test food to see what's safe for you to eat. We will go to the kitchen. The cat resembled a half-rotten potato creature. Her face was darker than the rest of her, and her body sagged in so many places, I figured she'd collapse into a puddle at any moment. Her appearance, and the words, testing food, didn't fit well together. Nor did it quell my hunger. Since I'd arrived, all I'd got was black bread, butter and cheese. Now, every time I close my eyes... Mars birds dance in the darkness. The only consolation I got was that Ganhook and the others were not fattening me up for a feast. A feast where I'd be the main course. You are not needed, Cat, Shiny Top said. I am showing the boy around the fortress today. As you say, the cat said, and turned for the wall. I was disappointed she gave up so easily. This was my chance to get proper food, 
And once I knew where the kitchen was, I could sneak there and get food any time I wanted. As the cat disappeared through the wall, I cried, Wait, please. Number 12's head reappeared. She said, Ganhak will hear of this. Sensing another cat-stick argument erupting, and sensing my opportunity to taste good food slipping away, I said, The kitchen is part of the fortress, right? Yes, the cat said. Then, I continued, we will meet you there at our fortress tour. Is that acceptable? No, Shiny Top said. Yes, the cat said. Good, I replied. I picked up Shiny Top and whispered, Please, if I don't eat, I'll die. Then you'll be alone again. Shiny Top didn't reply, which I took this as a good sign. Go, I said to the cat. We'll meet you in the kitchen. Only if I tell you how to get there, Shiny Top whispered to me, without getting killed in any intruder spell traps. Once number 12 was gone, Shiny Top said, We leave soon. Do you have a paper and pencil? I removed my sketch pad from my backpack. Shiny Top said, Your task is to listen to me and draw a house map. House map? I said, confused. It is your introduction to map-making skills, Shiny Top replied. While I didn't have a clue what he meant, I decided it was a great idea to have a map of this place. It would certainly help my escape. We went out into the corridor. This was my first time really seeing the corridor. On bathroom trips, I had been so intent on getting there and back safely that I had not examined the corridor in detail. Apart from the stone slab floor, the corridor was circular, like a pipe. An energy hummed along it. The energy tickled my face. Dull glowing fireballs, like the light in my room, dangled from the ceiling. Each light we met flared up before dimming again as we passed. The glow ran ahead of us, illuminating ogham-covered walls, heavy wooden doorways, and framed images of multicoloured birds. Statues too. Small statues, their blind eyes glowing yellow as I passed. There were skeleton statues carved from bone. Monsters, all teeth and claw and wing. Glinting in the light, Metal netting covered the ceiling in places. It resembled chainmail, sagging like it was ready to fall. I scribbled away on my house map, adding the doors and corridors we passed, and noting where some of the bigger statues and bird paintings were to use as reference points. It soon became clear that Shiny Top wasn't going to show me the whole place. While we did follow some corridors, and take some stairs. Shiny Top wasn't keen to explore most of them. Whenever I stopped to peer along a new corridor, he would say, No, no, not a good place to go. Not now. While I could have just carried Shiny Top anywhere I wanted, instinct told me that probably wasn't a good idea. There were plenty of windows, but every time we neared one, 
it misted over until we had passed. And some of the side corridors seemed to grow darker too when we reached them. I was eager to reach the kitchen. My stomach was rumbling loud enough to cause echoes in the corridor. Secretly, I blamed Shiny Top for this. Number 12 hadn't brought me any breakfast because she had obviously planned to feed me in the kitchen. Shiny Top had ruined that. After a while, to make things worse, I smelled food on the air. Cooked food. I'm starving, I said. I know that feeling, Shiny Top said. I've not eaten in over 100 years. Different for you, isn't it? I replied. Shiny Top hissed. No matter what I am, I still long to taste an apple or feel good ale run down my throat. That statement fascinated me and saddened me. It had never occurred to me that a ghost could suffer like that. It made him more human. Besides, Shiny Top continued, hunger sharpens the mind. As we walked, Shiny Top rambled on all sorts of nonsense. When I said I didn't understand what he was saying, he said the words were for the fortress, not me. I didn't understand that either until he said, experience what happens when I stop talking. Then he stopped talking. The light faded away to nothing. I turned on my flashlight. That faded too, like the energy had been sucked from the batteries. Shiny Top, I whispered. Say something. The darkness tightened around me, physically, making it hard to move or breathe. Instinct told me it wasn't darkness, but an intruder spell. Shiny Top started talking again. The spell sank away. I sucked in a deep breath and coughed. As long as I talk, Shiny Top said, the intruder spells will stay away. They know me. I talk, so they identify me. You, however, must be exposed to the fortress. Think of it like this. It's a bit like taking small amounts of poison to build immunity to that poison. So, this fortress is alive, I asked. Ha! Shiny Top laughed. Of course not. They're just intruder spells. It was at that point that I realised I needed Shiny Top more than I thought. He was so much more than just a ghost in a stick. Even from his prison, he could manipulate the world. I still felt mistreated. He could have warned me what he was going to do. Now I figured he owed me. Ghost cat number five said the compound was built over a relic, I said, hoping Shiny Top had offered some explanation. In the following silence, I thought I heard the hiss of a frying food somewhere ahead. Then Shiny Top said, Bones. That's what the relics are. You are in the city of Bones. Before it was a city by the sea, this place was a monster's graveyard. We're by the sea? I asked, because it was easier to ask about something I knew about instead of asking about a monster's graveyard. Great beasts came to die here, Shiny Top continued. Ancient things, whose spirits protect this land. 
That's why the city is built here, for protection. Sixteen intact skeletons are considered relics. The most important buildings in the city are constructed over these relics. Shiny Top wouldn't elaborate. This didn't bother me. The way he loved to talk, I knew I'd hear all about it at some point. Besides, I was too hungry to care. If I didn't get something to eat soon, I'd swear my stomach would have popped out, grown legs, and marched off to find the kitchen all by itself. We spent hours tramping about those corridors. After a while, my map started to resemble something that could have sold for millions if Picasso's name was on it. But it was only when we encountered the same pictures and statues again and again that I realised we were going in circles. Time to return to your room, Shiny Top said. I'm getting bored. The kitchen, I cried. Food! I need food! You need to rest first, Shiny Top replied. And check your map. I will test you on it later. Obviously. Shiny Top didn't want to go to the kitchen because number 12 was there. I felt like a helpless pawn in whatever was going on between Shiny Top and Steincat. But after experiencing the intruder spell, I'd rather have gone hungry than wander those corridors alone. So, we returned to room zero. Yet, despite my hunger, anger with Shiny Top, and disappointment at not seeing outside, I felt I'd taken a big step forward, at least towards the door of this place. And luckily, Ganhook turned up soon after with a tray of bread. Fried bread, lots of it, with melted butter. It's Shell Valley bread, he told me, the best you can get. I was so hungry, I didn't care if it had come from Death Valley. I'd never tasted anything so nice. Ganhook took Shiny Top aside. An angry conversation flared up. Then Ganhook said aloud, You will both go to the kitchen tomorrow. I will ensure it. Ganhook then checked my map, mumbled a bit to himself, and crumpled it up and stuffed it in his pocket. He said, Do another tomorrow. Map making gets easier with practice. Some context about my map making experience. They're big into maps here. Or should I say, they're big into memorizing maps, so you don't need to depend on physical maps. It's part of their security strategy. Invaders, of which there are many, love getting their hands on physical maps of this place. Before I arrived in Dunery, I thought I knew what a map was. It showed roads, rivers, cities, mountains, and so on. But when Shiny Top me told me to draw a house map, I thought, why? It sounded ridiculous. Well, hearing that I could die without a house map was a great incentive to learn how to create a house map. That's how dangerous the fortress was. Also, Shiny Top had assured me that learning basic map-making skills would help me navigate the world outside. They have maps for everything in Dunery. 
sky maps, ocean current maps, wind maps, pollen distribution maps, people maps, and countless more. But, like I said, physical maps give invaders an advantage. That's why most maps in Dunri, except the master maps securely held by the Imperator, are unfinished. Yes, they might have a map showing a road going from City A to City B, but segments of that road will be missing. Likewise with many other features on that map. Only skilled navigators can read them, because only skilled navigators know what exists within the gaps. Before I was taught how to understand the maps of everything outside Ganhook's fortress, I had to understand how to navigate the interior of Ganhook's fortress. They train you here to automatically get your bearings in a new location. Whenever you enter a new environment, you're supposed to mentally map it out, or at least take notes to help you navigate the place. That's the theory. Most city folk are too lazy to bother. They know the city, and they're not much bothered about what's beyond it. While map-making is great fun, it's an idea to build a map slowly. Ask yourself, what features earn the right to be on your map? My first map-making task was to map out a portion of Ganhek's fortress. If you want to replicate my basic create-a-map training, you could map out your home. But you are probably already familiar with your home and can find your way around blindfold. In my case, Ganhuk's fortress was about as familiar to me as planet Mars. So, instead of your home, go somewhere unfamiliar. Visit a museum, a department store, or a library. Ignore any floor maps of the building. Rediscover your sense of adventure and just go and explore. As you wander corridors, create a map. Take note of interesting details like a unique door, an odd-shaped window, a portrait hanging on the wall. While broken things are interesting too, they can be fixed at some point. That's probably not going to matter in a basic exercise like this, but if you're creating bigger, permanent maps, it's best to stick to permanent features. There's no point adding a leg to a map if that leg dries out in summer. And take note of the smells around you. Oil or smoke or flowers, kitchens, toilets, whatever. Use smells to make associations to areas on your map. This is as much an observation exercise as it is a map-making exercise. It will help you notice details and assign importance to those details. To begin with, you don't even need to draw a floor plan. Just list a bunch of details. Example. You see a red door. You see a roof fan. You smell a kitchen. You pass a wall portrait. And so on. List down the details. And you have a map in its most basic form. And when you reach the heart of the building, try to find your way out of there using your map. Avoid looking for exit signs. Read your map. Understand it. For me to learn how to safely navigate the vastness of Dunari 
I had to learn many forms of map making. Practicing observation skills was an invaluable way to achieve this. And I will return to map making in future episodes. Now it's time for this episode's Strange But True. The use of intruder detection spells is highly regulated. Only Levun masters can operate the highest level spells called Armals. Why? Because Levun masters are the ones with the skill, and they're the ones with the most to protect too. Armals are the only intruder spells that can kill. All others can only deter, injure, or capture intruders. But, like most other things, armals can be corrupted and misused. A notorious example is the case of Drea Stromer, a mid-level Levun mage. After stealing and modifying some armals, she offered her services to a criminal gang based in the sponge. They hired her to help them eliminate a rival gang. Initially, the resulting gang warfare stayed low-key. Neither side wished to attract the city guard's attention. But it all came to a head when Stormer attempted to kidnap the rival gang chief using a modified armal. The spell malfunctioned, seized an innocent passerby, and almost killed him before Stromer intervened. Chaos ensued. The victim escaped and fled to the city guards. The city guards seized Stromer and handed her over to the Levun Guild. A scandal rocked the guild. So, to make an example of Stromer, they sentenced her to 20 years house arrest. Why not prison, you might wonder? No matter their crime, the Levun Guild never allow one of their own to go to prison. The risk of further corruption is just too great. Nor do they imprison their dishonoured, unguild property. While house arrest sounds relaxed, Drea Stormer probably would have been happier in prison. Two advanced armals were created to seal her in her house. She could never leave, never receive visitors, never even see out the windows. As further punishment, she was allowed to keep all the illegal money she'd earned. Unable to spend it, she could fill her days looking at it. By the time her house arrest ended, the money would be long out of date and useless. Strange indeed, but very, very true. That's it for this episode. Next time I will explore Gantuk's kitchen and examine the role of food in world-building. Please consider joining me. Until then, goodbye. Or, as we say in Dunaree, Dreavik. <laughs>